All right, we're in a series called What's Next? Let me find uh, where the scripture is here. There we go. Um, Okay, so we've been in this series called What's Next? And this week is kind of a bittersweet week uh, for me because this is our last week um, in this series. This is my last week preaching in this series, and this has been one of my funnest one, funnest, one of my most favorite, one of my favoritists. One of my most funnest. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's been it's one of the it's been one of the best ones uh, for me as I've been studying and preaching. It's been a lot of fun. And so this is the last week. We're gonna wrap it all up. It's gonna be really good. And then next week, everybody say next week. Uh, next week we're gonna do small groups, and we're gonna recap kind of the series and just talk. And I would really encourage you all to be here. Bring your friends uh, because I think small groups are life changing. I really do. I think because. Um, what, what's the difference between small group and a night like this? On a night like this, you hear from me, and hopefully you catch it. Um, but on a small group night, you hear from you, and you hear from the people around you. You know what I mean? You get to, you get to take the words that I'm telling you. You get to take the gospel, and you get to verbalize it yourself. And you get to um, hear from your peers, and you get to hear from other leaders in the room. And so it's going to be really great. Um, next week, uh, Ben and Jackson are going to lead the high school group in this room, and then uh, Sarah and Mia are going to lead uh, the J High group that's going to meet in the lobby. So it's going to be super, super fun, okay? And then, uh, yeah, so it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, but this is the last one. So before we finish, let's recap all the things we said that are next, because we talked about, we all went to camp like a month ago, not all of us, but a lot of us went to camp like a month ago, and it was amazing. Who went to camp and thought it was awesome? Okay, cool. And then those of you who didn't go to camp, you've been coming to youth, and God might have been speaking to you and changing your life from the inside out, and so there's cool things happening in all of our lives, and so the big question that we're always asking is, what's next? After I accept Jesus, after I experience Christ, after I get through a, a moment of incredible worship with the, with the Echo Youth Band, after I do those types of things, uh, what is next? What's the next step in my life? What's going to happen after I'm changed from the inside out? What's going to happen next? And so, so far we've covered seven things that I think are happening next in all of our lives, and tonight... Uh, I'll finish it off with three more, so we'll have a total of ten. So if you take notes on your phone, if you take notes in person, these are the seven things we've talked about so far. And so number one was uh, tell your story. So what happens next after God's changed your life from the inside out, the thing that you should do next is tell someone about it. Amen? If God's working in you, if God, if you truly believe that Jesus can save your soul and can save your friend's soul, can save your family's soul. If you truly believe in the life-changing power of Jesus, you got to tell somebody about it. you got to. Number two is we talked about preparing for growing pains. After an incredible moment with Jesus, after a, a, a life-changing experience, there's going to be some growing pains. Amen? But growing pains, are they, they stink in the moment, but it, it pays off in the end, especially... For Beckett, because he's like seven feet tall and 13 years old. So um, he's had a lot of growing pains, I'm sure. <laughs> um, number three, seek humility. What I think is next in all of our lives is humility. Let's be humble, right? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not that I tear myself down. It's just that I'm not thinking about all of my needs any, as much. I'm thinking about other people's needs. Amen? Amen. 
There was, there was that really cool example uh, from uh, Levi Lesko who, who talked about the great architect. This great architect built, this, built, the, built the most amazing skyrise hotel, the, the biggest skyscraper in the entire world, and it's beautiful and it's a spectacle. And a humble architect would be just as happy if somebody else built it. Does that make sense? Um, number four, let your light shine. That's what we got to do next. Let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Come on. I'm just kidding. Okay. Everyone's like, what? Does anybody know that song? Am I too old now? Okay, we're good. All right, all right, all right. Whew. That was like a scary moment right there. I, I just freaked out a little bit. I thought I was singing something that nobody knew. I don't want to get to that age yet. I'm not there. I'm only 25. I'm not, I don't want to do that. Um, okay, but let your light shine. Then the next one is find good company. Who's got some good friends? Raise your hand if you've got some good friends. If you don't have some good friends, that's cool. You can find some good friends. I promise you, guess what? I promise you, you can find some good friends in this room. You can. Some of your best friends will come from this room. I promise. I promise. Um, number six, we talked about last week. What's next is a new identity in Christ. We're not going to identify with the things of our past. We're going to look to Jesus in the future and... Uh, and that'll be where we land. Amen? And then the last thing we talked about last week was perseverance. That what's next in our life? Perseverance. Keep pushing. Nothing's going to tear us down. Amen? And now we're on to our final three to make it ten total over the last four weeks. But first, let's read. So open your Bibles up to Philippians chapter four. That's where uh, we, we've been in the book of Philippians the last three weeks. So we're here in the book of Philippians for the fourth week. And guess how many chapters there are in this book? Four. So we're, we're done. So, uh, let's start with verses 2 through 4. Everybody say, "Uh uh-huh, when you're there. Hey, okay. Verse 2, here we go. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to butcher these names, okay? Because there's two names here. I don't know how to pronounce them, so we're going to have fun with it, okay? So, I entreat Yodia, and I entreat Sin. Tyke, Sintich, <laughs> Sintiche, all right, Yodaya and uh, Sintuche, and uh, I entreat Yodia and <laughs> whatever, these two ladies, to agree in the Lord. Everybody say agree in the Lord. That was a mess. Okay. Jesus, forgive me. All right. So, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. Who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. So here, there's tension between two women in the church named Mrs. E and Mrs. S. (laughs) And they're... And th- this, is, this is cool because we don't know who these people are. Anybody know who they are? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't either. So, but, but the Apostle Paul is referencing people by name that he knows are having issues in the church. Who's ever seen issues in the church? Anybody ever seen people have issues in the church? I've seen it. I've been a part of some issues in the church. But, so there's tension. Everybody say tension. And so Paul is saying... 
He's trying to relieve this tension between these two ladies, and he's asking for help, asking for help with the, from the leaders to ask. He urges them to agree in the Lord. And then he ends it with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So the first thing this week in our discussion of what's next is unity. Everybody say unity. So God desires us to be unified, not with everyone, but with everyone here. <laughs> and with everyone in the church. I don't always have to agree with people who don't believe the same things I do. But I should most of the time agree and avoid tension with everybody here in, in my church. Amen? And so this is really practical. It's like, it's like I, I don't want to get into a, an argument or a fight with Chris over something that doesn't really matter. But we do this all the time. And I'll tell you why later. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then in 2 Corinthians 13.11, Paul writes similarly, Finally, brothers, rejoice... I did a typo, but for restoration, <laughs> comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. The God of love and peace will be with you. And if I can be, can I be honest tonight, Echo Youth, is that cool? Can I be honest? Give me a uh-huh if I could be honest. If I, if I could be, if I could be honest Unity seems a little bit impossible to me. Does anybody feel the same? When I'm talking about unity, when I'm talking about agreeing with everybody, like, hey, agree with everybody in the church. It just seems like I can't even get through a staff meeting with agreeing with everybody. You know what I mean? I can't get through one conversation with somebody to agree with. But it's, some of that's okay. There's tension. But it just se- it seems kind of like far-fetched. How can we possibly be united? How can we all agree? How can there always be peace? In today's world, it seems almost impossible. But I think I have a, I have a two-step process that might help us be united. And if you'll hear this, it might help. Step one is that, the first step is that we all have to agree that the Bible is true. And that we're going to reference that for our truth. Does that make sense? So, so if we can all believe the Bible is true and everything that God says in it is true, uh, then that's a good place to start. That's the agree in the Lord part. And then step two, so step one is if we believe in the Bible to be true, all of us, we might, we might start off pretty good. And step two is if we do that, then we have to stop making worldly things more important issues than godly things. We have to stop making things going on in the White House more important than things going on in the kingdom of heaven. We have to stop talking about things that don't matter eternally and start talking about things that do matter eternally. Because if you think about it, if you think to yourself about most of the problems and most of the tension and most of the things that get people really mad in church, most of it is about things that don't actually matter. Most of it's about things that have worldly impact and not so much eternal impact. 
It's like we saw it a lot in the last couple of years about people getting mad at each other for their political beliefs or for stances on different things or should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask and blah, 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 all this stuff. How much of that really matters? But we'll leave a church for something that has nothing to do with Jesus. Right? So, so for us to be unified, we have to decide what we are going to be unified on, and that has to be the Bible. Amen? What would Jesus do sometimes needs to change to what would Jesus say? Or better yet, not what would Jesus say or what would Jesus do, but what is Jesus saying and what is Jesus doing? And if we, if we could figure those things out, we might actually be united. <laughs> because if we, if we get a picture of authority and if we submit ourselves to Jesus, then what he's saying is what I'm saying. And if what he's saying is what I'm saying, then what he's saying might be what you're saying too. And if we do that, then we might be united. If it's not my opinion of Christianity versus your opinion of Christianity, if it's our knowledge of Christ, then we might agree. When we, when we all dedicate our lives to the pursuit of Christ and furthering the gospel, the junk fades away and we find unity. Amen? All right, let's keep reading. Moving on. Verse 6 through 9, that same chapter. Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9. Everybody say, everybody say, uh-huh. We good there? We're there? We're there? Okay. Do not be anxious about anything. All right, we're starting off hot. <laughs> Who's ever felt anxious before? Okay, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. You're anxious. Now, Jeremiah, I come up to you and I say, don't be anxious. <laughs> You're going to be like, bro, back off, right? Right? Shelby, I go up to you, stop being anxious. You're going to be like, dude, lay off, dude. Like, like you don't know. You can put your hands up. You're like, you think to yourself, you don't know my problems. You don't know what I'm going through. Why would you tell me to stop being anxious? I don't know, but the Bible says it. So let's see what the solution is. Because I know something about Jesus. Jesus doesn't often tell us to do something without giving us the reason why. Amen? So do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, hey, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So he says, think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. To not be anxious, to not be stirred or disturbed by things other than Christ. The interesting thing is if we go back to the last scripture we read, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. The last line of that says, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And the final line of verse 9 in Philippians chapter 4 says, and the God of peace will be with you. 
It's the same line. And in both scriptures, they start off talking about unity. And then both scriptures lead to what? Peace. Unity leads to peace. With unity comes peace. If we could figure out how to agree on some stuff, we might just have peace. Most of the time, peace, in like, like war and, and things that, that aren't peaceful, it's, it's about we just don't agree on stuff. On, on religion, on politics, on, on beliefs, on all these things. We just don't agree, right? And so we get angry and, and we fight each other. It makes no sense. But we live in a fallen world. So if we can unify, we can find peace. One important thing I don't want us to miss, especially as young people, is posture and attitude. Everybody say posture and attitude. The scripture says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With what? Posture. We often get the prayer and supplication part and we miss the thanksgiving part. Think about it. When I need God really, really bad, what do I do? I just, I just, I just oftentimes pray really hard and I go with supplication and, I, and I'm begging, begging God for the things I need. I'm begging, begging, begging. And sometimes if we're real, we forget the thanksgiving part. We forget to be thankful. So our posture comes in not in a way that's thankful for God for what he's doing, but upset at him that he's not doing something in our life. Who's ever had like a sports coach or, or, or a teacher, or you all have had teachers, right? Hopefully. Uh, right? Or a parent or something like that. And think about, think about that. If you went to your parent begging for help without thanksgiving for what they already do for you, it's like when you beg, when you tell your parents you're starving. Who's ever done that before? Mom, I'm starving. Dad, I'm starving. What's the response every time? Hey, starving, I'm dad, right? <laughs> it's like, like, I'm starving, right? But as a parent, it's like, you know how many times I fed you? You know, it's like, right? But, and we, all, and we blame our parents for stuff. You just don't ever understand. You don't get it. Right? We don't ever stop to think like, hey, mom, dad, thank you so much for all you do for me. Like, who's ever asked your parents for 20 bucks? Anybody ever asked your parents for 20 bucks? I used to do that all the time. My dad said no. But when you go and ask for 20 bucks, it's usually just like this. Hey, dad. Hey. Could I have 20 bucks? <laughs> right? It's like, it's like simple as that. Not, it's not like this. Hey, I just want to say, man, I noticed that you're working so hard to provide for a family. And it, that's really, really cool. Um, can I have 20 bucks? <laughs> right? Right? It, 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 usually it's more likely for them to say yes if you butter them up a little bit. Right? But it, and, and I'm not saying that we need to butter up God for him to do something for us, but we need to be thankful for what he's doing in our lives. Amen? And oftentimes we go for prayer for G, uh, with Jesus, and we, we oftentimes end up blaming him for our issues instead of thanking him for the provision before it. So why is, why is posture and attitude and, and this idea of thanksgiving, why is this talked about directly after anxiousness? Because the way that we posture ourselves, who, who knows what posture means? Anybody know what posture means? Okay. Who's ever heard of bad posture? So posture is simply the way that you align yourself. Does that make sense? So like in 
posture could be for me, like, I could get on my knees and worship God. Or I could stand up like this. Or, like, like when my dog Roxy, when she's in trouble, when I'm, hey, her posture gets like, oh, shoot. She, like, starts army crawling over to me and, like, lays down at my feet. <laughs> but when she's excited, her posture's like, she's, like, flipping out. But the way that we posture ourselves does more for us than it does for the person we're approaching. And I'll tell you why. Like sports, friendships, parents, those things. We intentionally posture ourselves in a way that gives respect and thanksgiving to those above us because we want something. Thinking that it will get a better reaction out of them. Which it will, but in reality we are doing more for our own mental state because we are subconsciously teaching ourselves how to submit to authority. That was a lot. Let me explain. <laughs> so when I posture myself in a, in, a, in a posture of thanksgiving, when I go to my parents, when I go to my coach or my teacher, and I say, thank you so much. Like, you're just, you're really doing a great job. And when I po- posture myself in that way, it does more for me. Why? Because I'm teaching myself how to submit under authority. And that's a really, really good thing for your life. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> you're like, how many times have you said I'll tell you why, Brett? It's, it's going to get there. But our generation has a huge problem with authority. Can we be real? Is that okay? We just do. If you have a job, you know people have a huge problem with authority. People are like, uh, <laughs> you ever heard the person that's like, I just, I quit. Why? It just wasn't my deal. Manager was messed up. Manager was, the manager was crazy. And then like 14 jobs later, what happened? Manager was crazy. Because we have an authority problem. We can't figure it out. You've seen people talk back to their parents all the time. Right? Hey, can you clean your room? Uh-huh, I'm going to clean my room. Right? I'll smack. Right? You know, it's like, what are we doing? Right? And we have, we have an authority problem because, because of how we posture ourselves in everyday life. We don't want to do what anyone tells us, and we want to pretend like we're all on equal playing fields. You're not better than me. Right? Why is that coach telling me what to do? I used to think this all the time. It's like the really out of shape, really big football coach telling me to run a bunch. I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) Right? Who's the one that needs to be running right now? (laughs) Really? You know what I mean? We think we're on equal playing fields with these authority figures, but we're not. We're not. As lovingly as possible, I'm going to say this. You're not. You don't have as much authority as your parents. You don't. You don't have as much authority as your boss. You don't. You don't have as much work experience as your boss. You don't. You don't have as much knowledge as your teacher. You don't. Some teachers nowadays, maybe. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, But I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't make Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. More teachers are good than bad. Amen? I just ruined the whole, that whole thing I just did. I'm just kidding. I had, I had a couple bad teachers. Most of them were really great. But actually, even, yo, hey, yo, let's go. Even your bad teachers, you know less than them. You do. And you're like, no, yes, you, you do. They went to four years plus of college learning about what they were learning about. Even if what they're learning about was weird, they still know more about it than you do. This is hard. Everyone's like, ooh, Brett, you're getting me mad, right? 
And when you pretend you do know more than them and you refuse to be thankful for their leadership in your life, you are inadvertently conditioning yourself to undermine God's authority as well. If every teacher that teaches you something is an idiot, then eventually when God says something you don't want him to say, he's an idiot too. If every time your parents tell you to do something and you don't agree with it and you throw a fit, when God tells you to do something that you don't agree with, you're going to throw a fit too. So our posture isn't about being less than someone. It's about showing honor and being humble. Jesus himself humbled himself before the Father just as we should, even though he was already God. So it's not about you being less than. It's not about you saying, like, oh, I'm low on the total. It's not. It's about having respect. So it doesn't take anything away. It gives room for favor and authority from God. Once Jesus submitted himself under the authority of the Father, then he had all the authority in the world. That's how that works. So people, young people, If you're in a job and your manager, even if they don't know what they're talking about, respect. Your teachers, even if they don't know what they're talking about, but they probably do, respect. Your parents, oh, they don't don't understand. They were teenagers too. They totally get it. This ain't new. You're not, you're not the, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not the next new thing, (laughs) right? There's things that, okay, they didn't, most of them didn't have cell phones and stuff, but like, but But a lot of it they get, okay? In my weakness, he's made strong, amen? Meaning that if I think I'm too good and I'm on an equal playing field with God, if I'm too good to submit, I'll be too strong to be actually powerful. Let me say that again. If I think that I'm too good to submit to God's authority, I will be too strong to be actually powerful. Got to be like, oh, you're good. Right? And you'll pray, God, your will be done. He'll be like, no, 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 your will be done. Go ahead. You do your thing. If I submit to God, I'll be weak enough to move a mountain. If I fully submit to God, acknowledging my weaknesses, I'll be weak enough to let him be strong enough that we can both move the mountain. Does that make sense? But in your own strength, you're not going to do it. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm tough and I'm strong. Well, that's cool. But with God, acknowledging your weaknesses, you can, you can move a mountain. Amen? You can't have peace without trust and submission to God. That's what I'm getting at. To get this peace that we're talking about, you can't have it without submitting to God. Knowing that he has it all figured out. Cool? You're like, dude, you just, that was heavy. All right, let's read again. Verse 10 through 13. Where are we at? 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Remember, Paul's talking right here. Remember, he was in prison. Everybody remember that? So they're concerned for him, okay? They're concerned for him. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul's learned that in whatever situation, I got to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things 
through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the context of that, I can do all things through Christ, is (laughs) life might suck. In the highs and the lows, the thing that gets you through the roller coaster is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? So number three is what? Strength. Everybody say strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is what got Paul through the highs and the lows of life and will get us through the highs and the lows. If we can be united, we'll find peace. If we find peace, we'll find strength. Example, I went surfing one time in uh, Salt Creek, at Salt Creek. Anybody ever been to Salt Creek? This was like senior year of high school. This was after there was like a big... Uh, it was a, either a storm or the tsunami that was in Japan or something like that, and it brought in this massive swell. And uh, so it was like it was like 10 to 12 uh, foot waves this one day. And so me and my friends were like, let's send it, bro. We're going to surf it. And I'm, I know how to surf, but I'm not a good surfer. Let's be, let's be real. Um, not 10 to 12 foot wave surfer, but I, I sent it anyways. And I decided to bring my smallest board because YOLO. So, um, so we went. We're surfing. As I'm surfing, I, I caught one wave, and I was like, yo, let's go. And then the next wave I caught, it was massive, and I was like, yo, I'm getting this. And I get it. And as I'm at, I stand up, I pop up. As I'm dropping in, the whole wave, like, comes out from underneath me. And I'm like, oh, no. Right? I'm going straight on. Like, anybody ever seen that movie Surf's Up? You know where he falls off that giant wave? Ah, and it, like, replays over and over again? That was me. So I'm like, ah, boom, and I hit. And when I hit, this wave was so big, so big. Who's ever been, like, just destroyed by a wave in the ocean? Anybody? So I, I, I hit, and I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm like, Ugh, I have no clue what's up, what's down anymore. And then I feel my leg get pulled really, really tight. And I was like, my leash broke on my surfboard. Boom. So there goes the surfboard. If you ever surfed at Salt Creek, you have to go, like, a mile out there to, to get the waves. So I'm far out there, like far, like two or three football fields out into the, into the water. And this, and this surfboard pops off, and I'm getting tossed like a fresh salad, just, you know, like a Caesar salad. No, so I'm getting tossed and just thrown around. I don't know what's up. And I'm freaking out. Anybody ever been in that position? You're freaking out. I don't know. You're like trying to get me up. And you swim up, and then you hit your head on the sand because you're swimming down. And you're like, no. You're trying so hard. But I made a decision in that moment that I wasn't strong enough to overcome that wave. I just wasn't. So I made the decision that I was going to relax and catch my breath whenever I could. So instead of flailing around and hitting the reef and, and, and like this the whole time, I said, and I just went with it, toppled with it, covered my head, and then when I felt like I could get to the top, and then I went back down because they were coming in hard. And I just relaxed, 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 relaxed. I was at the top, boom. Right, and then and then I and then I started as as it started to calm down. I start swimming back, swimming back, big wave, take it. Right, I relaxed and I went through it. I honestly, during the moment though, I didn't think I had the strength to get out of that situation, but I did eventually. Like probably like thirty minutes later, I washed up on the beach. 
you know? And the most demoralizing thing is this, like, 10-year-old kid who's been surfing his whole life comes up to me, hey, bro, you cool? And I'm like, dude, get out of here. And he just goes into the water, and, like, he's, like, I was like, dude, whatever. But I didn't think I was going to make it out of it. I didn't. I was like, I'm dead, <laughs> straight up. I don't have my board. I don't have a flotation device. I'm dead, right? I'm swimming, just free swimming out in the middle of the ocean. Not really the middle, but you know what I mean. I'm being dramatic, but. But what I realized in that moment was if I panicked, I, I would lose all my strength because I can't fight against the waves. So I had to make a decision, and it was to relax, to take my time, to breathe when I could. It took forever, but I got back, right? And it's the same in our lives. When we're in the midst of a storm and the ups and downs, when we're not unified with our church friends and we're not at peace in the storm, we try to use the strength to get out. So when, when we're not unified, when we're not at peace, when we're in the storm, we use our strength as the first reaction to get out of something. But can I, can I teach you something? Strength is not a reaction, it's a result. So st- strength is not something that I do. Strength is something that I am later. If I work out for a long time, I get what? Strong. Not weak. I get strong. But I'm not strong before I go work out. But we oftentimes go straight, I'm try, i got to be strong. No, you don't. you got to do the other things, and then you will be strong. Strength is not the action. Strength is the result. We must be unified, then find peace, and then we'll find the strength we need. Strength is not the reactional first step. It's the result of good habits. So what's next? I believe for you, among all those other seven, eight, nine things that I said, I, I believe what, what's next for you after this, guys, I believe what's next is strength. I do. I believe you're going to find it. Because I, I believe you're going to have health, healthy habits. You're going you're gonna to pray every day. You're going to read your Bible. You're going to worship. You're going to follow Jesus. And with all that, with the, with the unity and with the peace and all that, you're going to find strength. And then the storm's not going to seem so bad anymore. So let God lead you. Let him guide you. Tell people about it. Submit to him fully. Trust in him, and you'll find your strength. Not at first, but you'll find it. Lean on him so much so that you can actually stand up. Amen? Let's pray. Stand up. Uh, Get what I did there? Jesus, we worship you. We love you. We thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts, what you did in this series, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be united. You'd help us to stand firm on the truth of your word, God. I pray that you would help us to find peace, God, to trust you in every circumstance. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to find strength in you. Lead us, guide us, give us the strength and the wisdom to get through our daily lives, God, through school and through work and all these other things. We worship you, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.